Well, happy Easter, friends. I'm coming to you from my house. You're in your house. We're all kind of separated, but we all get to come collectively here together to celebrate Easter because He is risen. He is risen indeed. That He is risen indeed is actually your part. You're going to get to play. We do this a lot at Northgate every year. I'm going to say He is risen, and then you get to, and wherever you are, say He is risen indeed. Are you ready? He is risen. I hope you did it. He's risen indeed. Don't, don't make me feel awkward. I know some of you were just staring at me watching and you're like, hmm, you don't want to say it. I'm actually asking you to say this out loud. So I just made you feel awkward. You just made me feel awkward. So let's just do this together. Are you ready, friends? It's Easter. Come on. He is risen. Well, awesome. I just want to welcome everybody. I'm so glad to have you joining me today, whether you're watching this on thisis.church or Facebook Live or our YouTube channel or even just our app. Um, after thinking and reflecting and praying about the best way that I could serve you the next few weeks, I feel like the best thing that I can do is to bring you to a deeper understanding of who God is. And that's why I want to begin a new series today, Waymaker, based on a song that talks of, to God about who God is, a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper, a light in the darkness. And today we celebrate just that, the resurrection of Jesus. He is a way maker. My God, that is who you are. There's um, so much that we can discover about God by the different names he has in the Bible, which reveals so much about him. Each of us have different names that describe a lot about us. I know that a lot of you are like this, but for instance, my kids, I'm dad or daddy. And to my family or people that I grew up with, I'm Lair. To Northgaters, I'm pastor or PLD. To our staff, I'm boss. And to Michelle, I'm stud muffin. Each name describes like a different aspect or a part of who I am. Today, I want to help you understand why he's a waymaker by looking at two different names of God. The first name is the name the Bible uses to describe God. It's found in the very first sentence of the Bible. Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. The name Elohim uh, actually appears 2,500 times in just the Old Testament. And the first thing we learn about God is that he is a creator God who spoke the universe into existence. The Hebrew word for create is baraha, which means to create from nothing. I uh, had a professor in college, and when he used to talk to us uh, students about this, he would say, students, God created the world ex nihilo, out of nothing, right? So if you were to say, I made these cookies from scratch, do you really mean that you made them from scratch, like from nothing? No. <laughs> you started with some eggs and some flour and some chocolate chip cookies and just all of that goodness. And chefs, bakers, inventors, artists, architects, engineers, and scientists can make many things, but not ex nihilo, not out of nothing. No one can speak things into existence. Uh, it would really be really great if you could, right? If you could look at your old junky car and say, let there be Mercedes, or look at your report car that's not so good and say, let there be A's, right? But you can't. You, you and I actually can't do that. Scientists, we see, can combine things and genetically crossbreed and even clone things, but they can't create something out of nothing. So, out of nothing, God moved. God created. God spoke, and then there was something. That's 
Elohim in the beginning actually tells us that God created time. You see here that the heavens, that God created space, right? And then when we look and we see the earth that he created, that God created matter. He is Elohim, the God of all creation. And I just want to tell you this. If, if God can make something from nothing, imagine what he can do for you in your life at this time, right? You know, uh, for me, honestly, sometimes I think that we just forget when we're going through a storm or when we're going through a crisis, even in the midst of a global pandemic, we forget how big, how powerful, and how mighty, and how awesome is the God of all creation. I uh, heard recently that Disney is bringing back Rick Moranis to do a remake of the old movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Raise your hand if you remember that one, right? Where he plays this like nerdy inventor and comes up with this machine that can like make things microscopic size and then accidentally turns his own kids <laughs> on his own kids. And there's a lot of explaining to do with his wife, which is why it's called honey. I shrunk the kids. I've thought about how I love one of those machines, right? Like honey, I shrunk my gut, <laughs> right? Or like honey, I shrunk our mortgage. Well, the reality we all know this is that we can't do that. But ever since the beginning of time, people have been trying to shrink God down to their size and to make him smaller than he really is. Um, some like to say, hey, I've got God shrunk down to a little figurine, and I can set him on my fireplace mantle, or a little symbol, or an image that I can carry in some beads, or hang on the wall. Or we condense God down into this little box called a church building, and God shows up only and lives inside this building with steeples and stained glass. I think that in reality, sometimes we actually feel more comfortable when we can shrink God down to our size and say, Honey, I shrunk our God. But that will never happen. Elohim is the most shrink-resistant entity in the universe, right? He can't be reduced to a figurine. He can't be confined to any box. And I'm thankful that one of the things that we're learning in this time of crisis is that he cannot be confined to a church building. Amen? He can't be defined by our limited understanding. There is no equal to God. He is Elohim, the God of all creation. One, uh, one time we see in the New Testament where Jesus gets into this boat and he's with his disciples and after a long day of ministry, he's exhausted and goes to sleep at the bottom of the boat while they make their way across the Sea of Galilee. But suddenly, like this really crazy fierce storm comes up, and the wind is howling, and the waves are crashing over the side, and the boat is filling with water. And what's Jesus doing? Snoozing. Just sleeping like a baby. And the fearful disciples wake up Jesus shouting, Teacher, don't you even care? We're going to drown, right? We're all going to die. Haven't we all cried out to God with questions like that in the midst of our own storms? Where we just say like, don't you even care? God, we like planned this wedding for a year and now because of social distancing, it's all postponed and who knows when. Don't you even care? God, I studied and I worked hard to get my degree and now my graduation is canceled. Don't you even care? 
We cry out, God, I worked so hard to build this business, to get this job, and now it's slipping away because of the coronavirus. Don't you even care? God, how am I supposed to go to work in healthcare and as a first responder or work at the supermarket when my kids are out of school? Don't you even care? God, there... This was supposed to be like the best years, right? The retirement years, but the chemo or the stroke or the susceptibility to COVID-19, don't you even care? Friends, I feel like just we all have questions and we've had questions for God like that, right? But here's what we see. We see Jesus actually gets up from this deep sleep and while the waves are beating on the boat and the water is pouring over the sides and the Rain is pelting, and while the disciples are freaking out, probably clinging to their own life vests, he says to the storm, peace, be still, and whoosh. In an instant, the sea is like glass. And do you remember how the disciples responded? We see this in Mark 4, 41. The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. I, I love how they were like, Frightened by the storm, they were terrified of someone who could do that. Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey? Well, friends, he is Elohim, the Almighty God who spoke them into existence. I love this quote from Brennan Manning in his little book, Ruthless Trust. It says, To trust is to be absolutely convinced of the reliability of God. Let me say that again. To trust is to be absolutely convinced of the reliability of God. To know Elohim, to trust in the reliability of our Creator means that no matter what happens to us in this life, no matter how daunting the headlines are, no matter how tough the economy gets, no matter what kinds of storms blow into our lives or into the life of this church, our response to fear will always be faith and with unconditional trust. Of God. To trust is to be absolutely convinced in the reliability of God. So who would you rather trust than the God of all creation, the one who speaks the waves and they listen to them and obey? That is who he is. And when Jesus is at the center of your life, you have the peace at the center of your soul. So we see here that Elohim is the first name the Bible uses to describe God. But in Exodus 3, we actually see the first name that God uses to describe himself. So here's the scene. Moses is now 80 years old, and he's just spent 40 years hiding out with sheep on the backside of Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. The Bible says in Exodus 3 that there the angel of the Lord appeared to him with flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that through the bush there was fire, but it didn't burn it up. So Moses thought, I'll go over there and see this strange sight and why the bush doesn't burn up. Understand that Moses didn't know that he was at the mountain of God. Uh, In fact, like it actually makes me wonder how many times we've come that close to the mountain of God, some place where God wants to meet us, but didn't actually realize that we were there. Well, thankfully, uh, Moses is a guy and guys love burning stuff. So he's like, cool, fire. And it goes over. In Exodus 3, it says that when the Lord saw that he had gone to look, God called him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. 
Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for this place where you are standing is holy ground. I've often wondered about like the command God gives in the days uh, in, the, in these days. Anything holy would have had to have been wrapped up in cloth or leather or whatever, so you wouldn't actually touch it with your skin because it was too holy to touch. So, following this line of reasoning. I would have think that God would have said like, hey, this is holy ground, Moses, put on some socks or work boots or something else, but he doesn't do that, what we actually see here. And I may be wrong about this, but I think God is saying, take off your shoes. I want to get skin to skin with you. I want to get personal with you. I want you to really experience who I am. And then he said, I am the God of your father the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I've heard them crying out of their slave drivers, and and I'm concerned about their suffering. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. I I think Moses had the same reaction like we all have, right? Who am I? Who am I? Uh, Who am I to lead and care for my family through this crisis? Who am I to bring my skills as a doctor, a nurse, an EMT in this time of emergency to care for the sick? Who am I to... Talk to my kids about their fears, their anxiety at the time, the time like this when I actually have my own. And I want us to look at what God says to Moses. He says, I will be with you. You are not alone. Now look carefully at this next verse. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites. I'm not saying yes, but hypothetically speaking, God, if I were to do this and suppose I go and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, and when they ask me what my name is, uh, then what shall I say to them? This is the first time in recorded history that anyone has actually asked God to see some ID. It's the, uh, the first time in history that God has ever actually used a name to describe himself. God says this, okay, here's what you tell them. In verse 14, we see God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. The name that is used here in scripture for God would have looked like this. To the Hebrew people, uh, classic uh, Hebrew had no vowels, which wasn't a problem because in ancient Jews, uh, they never actually said this word. It was too holy. But when they wrote it, they added vowels from another Hebrew name for God, Adonai. And they came up with Yahweh or Jehovah. It's actually used 6,823 times in the Old Testament. And you might be saying, well, I've never seen this or like I've never read that when I'm reading through. I don't see that come up that many times. But actually, anytime you've seen the word Lord or L-O-R-D in all capital letters, it's this word. In the English... I am translates into the verb be or I be. So God says to Moses, when somebody 
ask who sent you, just tell them, I am, and I have always been, I will always be, just tell them, be sent you. Because friends, I am is in control. I am is running the planet. I am is the owner of everything. I am is the Lord. I am is the creator and the sustainer of life. I am is more than enough. I am is the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. I am is inexhaustible and irmeasurable. I am that I am, and that is who I am. And here's the deal. If God is I am, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? It means that I am not. And maybe we ought to wear little name tags that says, hello, I am not. Understanding that he is the center of the universe, I am not. He is in control. I am not. He is all-powerful. I am not. He is genius. I am not. He is full of unfailing love. I am not. He's holding all things together. I am not. He is God, and I am not. The bigger that I make myself and the smaller that I make God. See, friends, the deal is, is that the bigger that I make myself, the smaller I actually make God. But when I realize just how small I really am, I can see just how huge God is. And the result is that he fills me with bigger faith, bigger strength, bigger peace, bigger security, because he is God and I am not. As I wrap up today, I just want to leave you with this. There's a scene in John chapter 8 where Jesus is in the midst of quite a contentious dialogue with some Jewish leaders and some Pharisees. And, and of course, the tension is over his identity, who he is. And the leaders are saying, well, just, just who do you think you are, Mr. Big Shot? Are you greater than our father Abraham? And I want you to see Jesus' response in John 8, 58. He says, very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. What is he trying to do here? What is he saying? Well, Jesus is saying, you want to know who I am? You want some ID? Here you go. Before Abraham was even born, I am. Jesus is declaring to be God, the God of Moses who led his people out of Egypt. Jesus says, that's who I am. I am the eternal God and who he is, who has always been and forever will be. I spoke the world into existence, and very soon I will lay down my life for the world that rejected me. And if you're a follower of Jesus today, listen to me carefully. The great I am still is. He is risen. And just like he was with Moses, and just like he was in the boat, he is with you. And maybe you're watching with some friends or some family today, and maybe You've stumbled onto this online worship experience. I want you to know that Jesus is with you and he loves you. And the God of all creation, the great I am, has made a way for you to know him. 
to have a relationship with him now and forever through his death on a cross, through his burial and through his resurrection. I don't know about you, but the truth about me is that when everything in life is good and going my way and I have my health and a little extra money in the bank, I don't always sense my need for God like I should. Prosperity is a terrible teacher. But trials and hardship and suffering causes me to look up. And that's just when I realize Jesus is. He just is. He always has been, always will be a healer, a freedom giver, an addiction breaker, and a way maker. Here's the bottom line, friends. He's the answer to so many of our greatest questions right now. In fact, as we end, I just want to ask you a series of questions we're all wondering about, and I want to help you actually with the answer. The answer to every question is the great I am. Wherever you are, let's just uh, say those words together. You ready? I am. You can say that with me. Who is there to help me when my retirement account has been crushed? I am. Who's going to take care of me and my family when the economy suffers for a while? I am. What if I get the coronavirus? Who's going to help me? I am. Who's smart enough to actually lead us out of this mess? I am. Who's going to make sure that good eventually prevails over evil? I am. Who's going to fill me with hope in the time of despair? I am. Who's going to be the light in the darkness? I am. The world is such a mess. Who is going to fix it? I am. Who can mend my brokenness? I am. And who defeated death? I am. Because I am Elohim, the God of all creation, and I have always been and always will be. And today, friends, just as we talked about, I am is a way maker. Jesus has made a way for me and you to have a life of hope, to feel alive when we feel dead, to feel just mended in our brokenness, and to be found. And so I want to invite some of you to be found today. We're going to get into some worship in just a moment about God as how He's just a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. He's a light in the darkness. And we're going to continue this conversation actually over the next few weeks.